Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the, the 14th uh, episode or edition of the Sporting Limerick Soccer Podcast, joined by our analysts Noel and Jason O'Connor this evening to digest last week's game and obviously look forward to 3 United's uh, next week's game against uh, Galway this Friday evening. Uh, Noel, start with the game against Cove last Saturday night. It was a big victory uh, for 3 United. It certainly wasn't a vintage performance uh, by any stretch of imagination, it's in an attacking sense at least. But it's now back-to-back away victories, uh, second in, in the table. Uh, and they always say that, you know, the sign of, of a decent team is when you're not playing well, you can still grind out a result. Yeah, I suppose in two facets to the game, you know, defence and attack, it's hard to disagree that they didn't create a whole lot in the game. Uh, Cove played all the football up to the treaty's final third. Uh, just were devoid of ideas, um, any kind of pattern or certainly an individual who could unlock um, the treaty defence coming down the middle is kind of futile. You know, it's an hour enough pitch down in St. Coleman's and knocking balls, high balls into the box is certainly futile exercise against against treaty as well. Um, they didn't really create a whole lot themselves, but it was two goals from, su- uh, from two set players again. Um, just recover from the disappointment too of a missed penalty, which can often be a kind of a negative in a team, kind of preys on their mind. You know, they got an early goal in the second half and uh, wrapped up the points with a couple of minutes to go, which was a kind of a, a typical treaty performance of late, you know, of the last couple of wins. They have been really similar and it just confirmed what I thought, uh, you know, about Cove. You know, whatever about being inconsistent, they certainly are quite a limited side and uh, treaty were full value for for the three points, particularly with their defensive um, show. Yeah, certainly the case. Back-to-back away victories, uh, Jason, like I said, to Noel, they did restrict, as Noel said, Cove to very little uh, clear-cut chances in the game. Shots from distance, couple of headers, all right. Darren Walsh had a, a decent chance fr- from a header. But I suppose one of the, uh, it, was, <coughs> it was a massive... Uh, Victory, considering you know the like the players that were missing, you had the missing likes of Jack Lynch and Sean McSweeney in the side as well, who are vital players. Uh, and one of the highlights as well, Jason was was Matt McKevitt grabbing his first goal for for three to two. Oh, it was Adrian. I was delighted for him. It was a long ball. It was a clearance out of defence. It looked like it was a nothing ball. It was a lost cause. And and we've seen from Matt McKevitt over the last month, I suppose, or since he's come into the side in and out, obviously off the bench, but. He chases lost causes, and again, this was another case of it. You know, it was 88 minutes. Ball was probably running out of play. He chased it down, kept it alive, actually won a throw for Treaty from the throw-in, obviously, to, to Willie Armstrong. Lovely little dribble for, from him, and, and McKevitt finished it off. So just desserts for him on his work rate, I suppose, Adrian, and probably edges him a little bit closer to a start. I suppose in the coming weeks as well, he's really given Tommy something to think about. Um, but look, myself and Noel called it together for once. We expected them to win. You know, they went and won. You rightly said it wasn't a vintage attacking performance. But look, we've been saying it for a while now. The, the kind of rock this team is built on is its defence and its defensive shape and play. So that's what's getting them the results, Adrian. It's, it's no secret really for us. Yeah, I was worried about the amount of optimism in the camp last week. I didn't have to worry too much in the end. Uh, they, they did get the, the victory uh, for the game. Noel, I was going to leave it maybe till further down the line, maybe to talk about it, but because Jason had, had that in one of his finishing points about uh, Matt McKevitt, he was probably disappointed that he, he was kept until the 85th minute until he was introduced on Saturday evening. I know Kieran Hanlon obviously missed the penalty, but I did feel that they needed maybe a, a fresher uh, approach at that stage in the second half. Um 
you know, the only thing is for coming into Friday night, particularly, do you think the man McKevitt will start? Because I do know Kieran Hanlon did play well in um, DC Park for the majority and did give Killian Bruder, excuse me, a tough evening and Morris Nugent. So it'll be hard to know whether Tommy will finally uh, give McKevitt a start, I suppose. Yeah, and I suppose he look at the result and say, look, we won the game. He's made an impact coming off the bench. Um, I do think, and I've taught it for a couple of weeks, I think he deserves a start. You know, and it was just the way that Jason described the goal there. So you're looking at the alternative there. Nobody chases the ball down. You know, Cove collected and straight away they're, they're back attacking Treaty. And from that attack, they may well have got an equaliser. And, you know, you're, you're coming out with a draw. And it's those small things that are really important. But I, I, I've said it for a few weeks. Um, I'm surprised that, I'm not saying he should start every game. I'm surprised that he hasn't started the game yet. Uh, I'd like to see him play in a full match. I think they will they will be up against it um, on Friday night. Um, I think Galway have improved a lot, you know, because we weren't in action, if you like, on Friday night. I, we got a chance maybe to look at more of, of the other matches. I watched a good bit of the Galway game and I thought that even the pace of it, I thought they were very impressive. OK, it was a 1-0 victory, but I thought they, they murdered um, Cam Teeley on the night. You know, it could have been a, a hell of a lot more. It was... A real dominant performance. I thought they were very quick and slick and fast and they monopolised the ball and, you know, they kept going. So um, I think it'll be a, a tough night on Friday night. I think the pitch was suit Galway. Um, they have a couple of wins now and maybe they're starting to accelerate out of the blocks, you know, which we've kind of touched on in the last few weeks. We've been kind of wondering when it was going to happen. It was a bit stop-start, but... Look, it's a very big game, you know, for both teams again on Friday. You know, I think we say that every week as well. But certainly um, a very resurgent Galway coming to the Marcus Field. And I think it's going to be a great night. Yeah, just a fortnight ago, Jason, we were talking about, you know, the struggles that John Coffey was having because maybe three weeks ago, excuse me, because Galway were hammered by Shelburne 4-0. I know that's uh, easy done in this division considering the form Shelburne are in, but they have reacted really well. Uh, with two victories, Pickett, as Noel said, they were in total control against Kevin Teeley uh, last Friday. Um, you know, we knew that there was always a chance that they would come good. They're now in like treaty in very good winning form uh, coming into the game. Would you say, judging on the, the fact that Galway are in a resurgent form, that, you know, you, you'd certainly nearly take a draw at home to, to keep Galway at arm's length on Friday evening? Yeah, I think that should be the goal for Treaty, Adrian. Um I think Galway, I suppose, their problems are, we highlighted them even before the ball was picked this season, was going to be scoring goals. Um, and even though they're on the, on the back of a couple of wins, they're not really hammering teams. They might be with the ball, but they're not putting lots of goals past teams. And when you look at Treaty's defensive record and you look at the back five, I suppose, is cemented in place now. That's not going to change, I suppose, unless someone gets suspended again. Do you know, so it's going to be a little bit cat and mouse in that sense. I think Treaty will do the usual. It won't change anything. Nothing has changed from the start of the season. Last weekend, they were probably a little bit more defensive even than normally with, you look at the three midfield players, there was none of them in, in the number 10 position for me, Adrian. The three of them were sitting deep and, and that showed with Darren Murphy getting on the ball regular in the first half for Cove. No, quite rightly said, they didn't do a whole point with it from there. They didn't create anything clear cut and that's because the back five I suppose including Tig in that you know and you put your defensive midfielders 
in front of that. They're very, very hard to break down centrally. We can see that. Pitch will be a lot bigger on Friday. We know that in the markets field and, and no one is quite right when he says that'll suit Galway. But they don't really have the punching power up front, I don't think, to put two or three past treaty. So once that steadiness stays at the back, I think Tommy would be happy with a draw. That would keep him, I think, in, in second position. And, and it's, without using his own phrase, but it's just taking another game off, Adrian, without a defeat. You know, that's really it, I suppose. They looked to me like last week they were... They were set up for a draw against Cove, the way the team was set up, you know, and that's kind of the way they're playing. They're set up that way, and then they wait for a mistake or they wait for a set piece, and they capitalise, you know, and they're, and they're very, very well organised, you know. And I don't think Tommy can dispute at this point that they've become defensive. It's it's blatantly obvious now, you know, for everyone to see. So I'd agree with Noel in the sense Treaty would take a draw. I think they'll go for that. That'll be my prediction as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, Noel, Jason mentioned the midfield. Uh, it was a concern, particularly in the first 30 minutes. I did notice that the defensive treaty, uh, the back four, were kind of urging their, their midfielders to close down the opposition earlier and maybe push up a bit higher on them. Uh, it didn't happen, really. I, I know that Mark Ludden was uh, very complimentary of, of Joe Collins' performance after the game. Personally, I thought maybe that his lack of game time showed in, in that game, you know, and I think it was, it was a bit off the pace. Uh, Ed McCarthy, as Tommy mentioned and alluded to after the game, was was tired. He even mentioned that they, they gave him a night off during the week because he was showing signs of, of fatigue uh, recently uh, due to the job as well as, as hard training. He's played a lot of games for a 20-year-old. Then obviously Jack Lynch that, you know, is touch and go probably for Friday considering he was pulled out so late of the game Saturday. And Sean McSweeney, the midfield is probably a, an area of concern for Tommy. Going into this game, Noel, uh, particularly if Jack is going to be out. Uh, Clyde obviously came in at, ha- at half-time uh, the other night. Do you think that it, it's uh, he will probably come into the game straight away on Friday? I think he will, yeah. I, I'd say so. And look, in fairness to Joe Collins, and you said it, you know, it's, it's first of all, finding out maybe 20 or 25 minutes before the game you were starting. I know we say the guys should be ready and all that, but, you know, if most guys know the night before that, that they're starting the game. You hadn't even had much of an appearance as a sub in the last few weeks, so it's probably a bit out of the blue. It may well have suited him, but it's understandable that he would be off the pace. I think it, it must be a concern. You know, again, we go back to the bigger pitch, and uh, while Galway struggles, say, you know, to finish um, chances, you certainly think they're very strong in midfield, and um, I think Clyde will definitely start you would be hoping that Jack Lynch will start as well. They'll need their kind of big, their big guns in there if, if, if they are to contain that Galway midfield. And um, hopefully that Jack and Clyde are fit to start because I think they will be very, very important if Treaty are going to get that draw or, or, or a victory. Yeah, and you know, Jason, you've had your, your own reservations about maybe where Clyde O'Connell would fit into the side. In fairness, Callum McNamara is someone I want to mention because I still thought he played pretty pretty well uh, Saturday evening, uh, stepped up to the plate pro- probably when, when the chips were down. Um, you you know, Clyde, Clyde came on at half-time, uh, Jason. Would you agree with the fact that you need maybe him in a more experienced fashion to come into the game? Because I know you were probably... He came on, he, he got a yellow card, uh, and that's the discipline has probably been one thing that, that you were worried about. Um, you know, the chances are, though, he will be, be in the starting lineup on uh, Friday night. Would you agree with that? I wouldn't be so sure, Adrian. Uh, he's on five bookings now. 
nine appearances, five yellow cards, one red card, and there's only one assist and one goal thrown into that mix as well. You know, so you've got to bear these things in mind because you can't afford to get out to 10 men against a team like Galway because then they could have a chance of putting two and three past you. Um, Callum McNamara, for me, has been excellent in that in that sitting role in the middle of the field. Doesn't do anything ridiculous. You know, gets on the ball, wins the ball. And and if you look back at the Wexford game, it was him and Jack Lynch that, that turned the game in, in Treaty's favour. So... You know, you're wondering about Clyde O'Connell. We spoke there about the, the back five. That's set in stone. He's not going to get into the back five if, if everybody is fit. And you've got to bear in mind then that, that Mark Walsh is out injured as well at the moment. So if you had Mark Walsh fit in the middle of the field, I'd be inclined to play Jack Lynch next to him and Sean McSweeney in the 10. And even this weekend, I'd be picking if it was me, I'd have Callum McNamara. If Jack is fit, he'll be playing. And obviously then you have different options for the number 10. So I think the only way Clyde will start this weekend is if Jack is out. Um, because again, if that number 10 role, I suppose, they can't afford to, to sit back like they did in the first half um, against Cove at home against uh, Galway. You've got to be pushed up slightly. You can't be completely dropped off because the pitch is too wide and too big and they'll exploit the spaces. So plus you'll need something on the transition to attack, you know, there was no, absolutely no transition in the first half whatsoever to attack. I think the, the first shot in target, correct me if I'm wrong, Adrian, was the penalty, you know. So again, you're up against better players and you play Galway, you keep giving them the ball back, you know, and, and they'll hurt you. So back to your original question, I suppose for me, it would be Callum Atnamara and Jack, if Jack is fit. You're looking into the 10 position then, whether Ed is fit. Or whether you're willing to bring in Joel Costrain into that position, I know Tommy has done that a couple of times as well. But look, Clyde is a good option. Do you know, he can play midfield, he can play centre-back, and he can play left-back as well. So he's a versatile lad, but he has a lot to learn at this level. Yeah, I suppose that it'll be interesting to see whether Ed McCarthy does make it in, because that might be the, the ticking whether he, whether he starts or not in, in the game, Noel. Uh, there's been contrasting form for two players for Galway, uh, two, two Limerick natives. You, you've Killian Bruder, who's been very solid in recent weeks. If you were to talk to the Galway natives, uh, he's, he's taken, his form is taken by storm recently. You've got Shane Duggan then, who's at the other end of it. Uh, I know that from speaking to Keen O'Connell and, and Vinnie Farty, that Shane Duggan was actually carrying a knock, which is the biggest reason as to why he wasn't, was dropped to the substitutes bench uh, for the game, Noel. Uh, do you expect Shane Duggan to, to start against Treaty uh, on uh, Friday? Um, I'm not sure. Um, I, I know, say, from what I do know about John Coffield is I could see him, you know, they won last week. You know, he'd be ha- he was happy with the performance. I wouldn't see him making too many changes. There wouldn't be any sentiment in it. Um, I, You know, when I saw Conor McCormick going there, I, I just... A bit like England, if you like, with, you know, with their two kind of sitting midfielders. Um, Shane Duggan has changed a lot from the time I saw him playing playing for Cork in, in the early or mid-2000s, like when, you know, his ability to run, his box-to-box, you know, was quite phenomenal. Like, and, you know, that that isn't the same anymore. I think uh, himself and Conor McCormick are quite similar now in that kind of sitting, holding uh, position. But I think, in fairness, at the moment... Conor McCormick is, is in way better form and it might be just that John Caulfield, you know, he's kind of tweaking the team a little bit. He probably felt maybe that they were a bit too defensive, not 
creating enough. So he might he might have thought that he might just go for one one if you like defensive midfielder and uh, bring in someone else to try and create a bit more. And look, they have a couple of wins under their belt now, so they'll probably be vindicated in the way they were thinking. And it's unlikely that that he start this week, whether he's fit or not. I I would think, but obviously he's a great option to come off the bench. Yeah, certainly. And Jason, I was actually speaking to, to Sean McSweeney personally at the training session, Trinity United training session last week when I went to, to interview Tommy, uh, Tommy Barrett last. And he, worryingly enough, he said that if he was back in four weeks' time, he feels he'd be doing well, uh, which is obviously a, a, a big disappointment because I think people were under the impression that Sean was only going to be out for two or three weeks uh, when it originally happened. Uh, Obviously, a big loss. He was he was the joint top goal scorer uh, with Anthony O'Donnell. Obviously, one of the more creative players. But it just brings me to, to the point of we have a July transfer window, Jason, which will be opening up very soon. Uh, and when I put the the question to Tommy on Saturday night about whether he would you know add to the squad, he did say that he may look at one or two players. But his his overriding uh, motion was that he was happy that the under 19 setup was coming in, and he'd be looking to maybe blood a few under-19s. Do you think that both the transfer window and the arrival of the under-19s has come at a good time uh, for 3D United? Yeah, I suppose it has, Adrian. Look, Tommy isn't going to have a big budget to go out and, and spend big on, on marquee names, and, and nor should he. The chemistry in the group looks really, really good. You have to be careful what personalities you bring into a group, Adrian, you know, because it can disrupt things. At the moment, it looks on the outside and, and knowing the players... There's no real egos in the group, you know, and they're all working hard for each other. They're not looking at each other going, oh, he's on twice as much as me or there's none of that stuff going on, you know. So you want to be very, very careful to protect that. Um, I'd be very slow to be bringing in these marquee names because as we preview games week by week here, we look at players at reputations that don't deliver week in and week out. And, and we look at the treaty players who probably anyone outside of the region wouldn't be familiar with and and they are delivered week in and week out. So, look, it's he's obviously short in the final third, you know, for me, add an attacker if you could, but it would have to be, as I say, the right player, you know, um, and someone like, obviously, Sean McSweeney is very, very hard to replace. But, look, it's not vital that they bring in players and they have 19s coming in, obviously, if that's scouting, so the things is correct then they could possibly blood or find another gem there to, to bring into the squad. They have numbers, Adrian, we can see that, and they are getting results. So it's not a massive thing for me to be to be adding to the squad. Yeah, no, that was actually something I was going to say, because on the flip side, obviously, they do seem like a tight group, the, the three United players. Everyone works very hard because there is no reputations, particularly in the squad. Um, there is some experienced players, but there's no real egos, it seems. Because on the flip side, as I said, to bringing in new players, you do disrupt that. And then also, you know, you've got players there who, you know, like, for instance, to bring in new players, you probably have to get new players out or get players out of the squad to, um, you know, that can disrupt things. Would, would you agree that maybe the July transfer window is probably too early to bring in maybe a, a couple of uh, players and that maybe the 19 should be the angle that Tommy uh, concentrates on? Yeah, I think it's part of the ethos at the club as well. I'm not so sure where they would get players. I suppose the best that you could hope for is, you know, if you had contacts maybe in Dublin and you got a good, you know, a good player out of Shamrock Rovers or Bowes or someone that, you know, that they wanted to give a bit of, of experience to, you know, if he was the right guy. 
you know, but again, you, you would certainly have to be very choosy. But look, as I mean, the 19s are going to be important. Um, and there's not a lot of money to spend. You know, I think the likes of Cork and Galway, I'd see them going out and getting a few players in. Um, maybe players with Premier experience, um, which could help them climb the table a little bit. But other than that, I couldn't see a whole lot um, going on. And it'll certainly be good to see, you know, if the 19s do get up and running and we get a chance to see some of these lads come on. Because everyone really in, in, in that group who have come on have made a, a real impact in the team. And if we could get a few more guys blooded before the end of the season, you know, just to beef up the squad, if you like, for next season. And because very soon they'll, you know, they'll have to think about that and just have a, a bigger group and a, and a more experienced group, you know, just to try and to push on from, from what's been done this season. It would be great. Yeah. And Jason, just I was when I was speaking to Mark Ludden after the game, I put it to him that obviously this week will probably represent you're going to the halfway point of the league season. You'll have 13 games played. They're sitting in second place, clear out right now uh, ahead of UCD, something we probably couldn't have foreseen, especially after losing to UCD. Uh, in the Belfield Bowl so quickly anyway um, wins obviously been important to add to just the draws you'd be getting like Tommy said but when I put it to him about uh, the playoffs he was very uh, very um, you know that very quickly should I say to, to answer the question and was thinking about it but you know obviously that's going to happen in the media Jason that the, the talk is going to be that you know take it one game at a time but when in a dressing room, you've opened in dressing rooms where you've been pushing for promotion. And I know, Jason, you were in a dressing room where you actually got to play off with, with Limerick FC. When does the talk actually start on, and the belief actually start that, yes, we can we can make the playoffs here? Yeah, I was in a dressing room that won the first division as well, Adrian. But you'll start looking at it. My memory didn't serve me well there. No, you <laughs> slipped up there, though, Adrian. But, uh, I suppose, look, another bit... You know, it won't be just yes, but they'll be conscious of the gap, you know, and you have to look at the table. You know, at loan 16 points in seven position, you know, just outside that that bracket, I suppose. You know, Brea 17 points, Cabin Teeley 18, Galway 19 and UCD 19, you know, Treaty on 22. It could change in a week, Adrian. It really could, you know, depending on the games and, and the results. So they'd be foolish to be thinking of, of playoffs at this stage, you know. And, and you could be sure Tommy has them well warned, you know, when you're talking to the media, especially Sport and Limerick, because you're probably the only one that asks, asks them the questions. Um, to come out with the mantra that we're taking it a game by game. But looking at it from a player's point of view, look, the goal will be in your head. Every week you're within them playoff spots in the table, you know, you'll be looking forward to it. But as we said, it can change very, very quickly. So they're probably right not to be looking too far ahead. But like I said, every week that they're in them playoff spots, it'll become stronger in their minds. Yeah, I know that um, young Ed McCarthy might have been caught a bit on the hop a, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the inexperience might have showed when he was asked about the playoffs, and I'd say Tommy might have been quick to to root that out in the, in the dressing room again once he was once he was caught about it. But um, which was quite evident with, with Mark Ludden, who'd be experienced enough anyway. And all, but would you agree with Jason there and all that you know? Even if there was any murmurs to be coming into the dressing room of oh, we we can make the playoffs now, would you would you have been the same as Tommy and, and quick to stamp that out? I would, but I look, I mean, I'm sure the players are talking about it. You know, obviously, Tommy isn't talking to the media about it. And, you know, 
probably within his own his own coaching group. I mean, you're you're talking about it being the halfway mark say tomorrow and or you know, they should be second still second tomorrow, you know, with a point or, or three. And it's halfway through, and I'm sure both the coaching staff and the players will be desperately disappointed if at halfway they've been second, you know, when they started, you know, so so late in terms of the preparation and you know and and how much like how much better they've been, say, in the last five or six games compared to the first five or six games in terms of garnering points, that that they're going to end up sixth now between now and and at the end of the season. I'm sure they will be really disappointed. So that conversation has certainly gone on with the players. And uh, I'm sure it's gone on within the coaching group as well. But the only uh, people who, who aren't who aren't privy to it is ourselves. But obviously, we have a bit of experience from being in dressing rooms, and we kind of know how they do operate. And Tommy's right that they're not talking about it because you know they shouldn't really be. And 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 game by game is always the best way to go. But um, within the group, they're certainly talking about it. I um, I wouldn't have any doubt about that. Yeah, and Jason, just to go from uh, Air Tracy League First Division to the Premier Division, I know it's been a while now since we talked about the, the managerial merry-go-round, but there was one surprise uh, last last week that, that emerged in Vinnie Perth returning to, to Dundalk. A, 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 an amazing U-turn, really. I know there's a few managers, including uh, the inexperienced Dave Rogers, uh, who was linked with the job and no one seemed to know what was going on at Dundalk. There's a lot of uh, unrest up there. Uh, would, would it be fair to say you were surprised that, that the U-turn with Vinnie Park come back? I think everyone was, Adrian, and, and I suppose after that, nothing should surprise us, really. Mm-hmm. When you remember the fashion, I suppose, that it departed in, but things aren't well up there. We can see that from, from a mile away. You know, we can see that. And, and something that Noel mentioned probably Two months ago, Noel now, Noel flagged it to us, you know, that, that Chris Shields was on his way out of Dundalk and, and heading to, to Linfield. So, you know, things definitely aren't right up there. Is he the right man to go back in and change things around? I'm not so sure. He's a very brave man to, to take it on. That's for sure, Adrian. Um, but look, things went great at Waterford as well, you know, for a while. And, and they've turned it around with some decent results. So... Look, who knows? In in League of Ireland football, as I said, nothing should surprise us. But I certainly was surprised with that one. The cat's out of the bag, Noel. Your source, your source, might might be unhappy with us uh, revealing the, that you knew about the Chris Shields' move before many knew about it. But yes, um, Chris Shields obviously moving away is a is a big big blow to, to Dundalk, considering he has been literally the mainstay from when they were nearly relegated in 2012. Uh, or sorry, 2011, all the way to, to winning 16 trophies. I believe Chris Shields has won. But um, just to move on, I suppose, to our prediction side of it, uh, Noel, we'll start off with, uh, obviously, the, the treaty game uh, against Galway. What's your score prediction for, for the game Friday? Yeah, probably a one-all draw. I think I think treaty will do well to get a draw, and I'm hoping they will get a draw. But I, I do feel that a very strong and confident Galway team are coming down, and it'll be a really... Tough workout, certainly a lot tougher than last Saturday night. And um, I think Treaty themselves will probably be happy and they'll probably take a draw now. You know, they mightn't if they're one up going into the 93rd or 94th minute, but uh, I, I, I feel a, a draw about Friday night. Yeah, Jason, I know you mentioned that you don't expect Galway to score uh, a lot of goals. Uh, what's your own prediction? Yeah, I said it a while ago, Adrian, uh, that I felt with Treaty's, I suppose, defensive record and defensive strength. And, and Galway's lack of punch power for me 
um, that it will end in a draw. So I'd agree with Noel again this week. A one-all draw is probably the most likely result. Yeah, we move on now to Athlone versus Bray. Uh, we've a gloating O'Connor up in the, the top corner of the screen because Athlone have went through a very barren period. Uh, I believe it's six defeats in the last seven games, uh, which which is massive, really. And, and they host Bray, who will be... Uh, in huge, in high spirits, like after we beat UCD four 0 at, at the Carlisle grounds, uh, what way do you see this one going? Not, um, I can see Bray winning it. <laughs> to be fair, um, UCD are at loan, obviously on you know in a, dev- a very difficult patch of farm. I was a bit surprised at their start. To be honest with you, like um, I didn't think that, that they do quite as well. I was just worried about the the makeup of the squad. Um, I'm sure it's a difficult place to be at the moment. I'd say Adrian Carberry has his hands full in trying to quell, you know, whatever is going on. But there's obviously something, you know, a, a team that wins four or five matches and all of a sudden has one win in six or seven. You know, there is something wrong. It's probably not the game they need tomorrow night. Um, a very informed Bray team. Because um, we were saying how good Bray were and... Their issue was not scoring goals, and then they come up and get four against one of the best teams in the league. So it's hard. It's hard to look uh, past a, a brave victory tomorrow night. Yeah, definitely. Another massive game, Jason, is Cavantili and UCD. I mean, Cavantili are like Jekyll and Hyde, really, aren't they? We don't know what you're going to get uh, from Cavantili uh, week to week, but you know, at home outside the Westford game, it's supposed to be quite strong. Uh, UCD will be hurting, and and. You know, there's only one point separating these teams as well. What way do you see it going here on uh, Friday? Yeah, that's the important one, Adrian. There's only a point between them, you know, in, in favour of UCD, obviously, who are put on the back of two defeats, you know. So, look, what are we going to get from Kevin Teeley? They're not going to give away a pile of goals, that's for sure. But I think UCD will bounce back at some point, and I think this could be the week to do it, you know. Um, we know about their firepower. We know about Cullen Whelan, obviously. Um, and, and if he's on song and, and they can cut out the silly stuff at the back then I think UCD could tur- turn uh, Kevin Teeley over so I'll go for a UCD win Adrian Yeah, Noel Cork City were full value for their victory uh, over at Lone uh, let it be said last week they now face the unenviable task of, of going to Talca Park uh, and to stop the, the steamrolling train of Shelburne who are, are pushing all the in fairness to Wexford gave them a very good game it was a penalty separated besides last week but they're still winning all the time uh, Noel it's hard probably I suppose to look past Shelburne winning this one No you can't really and look we keep on predicting Shelburne to win and probably someday we're going to be wrong it may well be this weekend but it's, it's just hard to see it um, there's just too many goals in the team look they must be super confident um, they're playing at home you know they won't certainly be caught you know, thinking that they have an easy match because regardless of, of Cork City's form, it's Cork City. And in and in the Shelburne's heads, they're certainly a big club and there's a bit of history between them for the last 15 or 20 years anyway. So because of that, I, I, I can see a, a Shelburne victory. Yeah, and finally, Jason, obviously we've discussed the fact that this first division is so exciting. Uh, the game at St. Colman's Park Saturday night, uh, Cove and Wexford, is probably as close to a dead rubber game in some respects for the rest of the division as you'll get. You've got teams down bottom. Obviously, Cove now are a bit of a distance away, but not too far away, obviously, if they pick up some form uh, in, in the table. It's a strange game. It's going to be also very hard to call, but it's important for those two clubs, to be fair. It is, of course, Adrian. And, and look, looking at the table, 
you're you're probably cutting off Cork City this week if Shelburne beat them. Do you know mm. they're ten points behind Treaty. Cove are probably cut off now, and obviously Wexford with only three points are are cut off. I was a little disappointed in Stuart Ashton's approach um, against Treaty last weekend, and felt he should have went four four two and and kind of pressed on to Treaty a little bit more and. And a stat that might lead me to believe that Wexford can get a result there. You know, I'd like to see him get a result. To be fair, I was disappointed in Cove overplaying, as we always say in the wrong areas, you know, playing out from the back into the middle and then going nowhere. You know, so if they if they approach the game the same against Wexford, Wexford are, are well capable of getting a result off him.